Our story of Good Friday um, that we read every year uh, is John's Gospel account. And every time we read John's Gospel account, there's a few things that are very, very, um, that are very particular about his story. One of the first things um, is one of the last lines we read. The tomb was close by. The very last few words we read. Um, I didn't realize that how close everything was. Uh, all of the places of the passion, right? When we pray the way of the cross, um, it may seem like it, as we're walking around our church or walking around our community um, and praying the way of the cross, it may seem like Jesus must have carried this cross for a really long time. But... I was able, uh, and if you've ever been to the Holy Land, you know um, that the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is basically built over all of the major passion sites. There's a chapel for the the place of the scourging of the pillar that's traditionally venerated for that. There's a there's a place right next door, it seems like, of the bur- of where Jesus was buried. Um, and I remember the first time I, I was there with a deacon um, with my classmates. And when we walked into the church, uh, one of my classmates looked at me and said, and he just kind of, once we walked through the door, he just pointed up into the right and he said, there's Golgotha. And I was floored. I was like, wait, 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 what? And he says, that's Golgotha. Over the course of the, over the, course of the celebration, um, over the course of the time that we spent there and, and the celebrations that we have here, we may not realize that Golgotha today is 10 feet off the ground. Because the church has been built on top of church, there's different foundations that are that are deep into the, they, they go all the way back to the first century. But when we, the, the most touching thing I think for me, the most amazing thing that I think for me, was the moment that we were able to to walk, do the way of the cross and go to the different places in the city that that's where it's venerated. And as we get to the end, as we come to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, we went up on Golgotha. Remember walking up to the to the twelfth station, uh, Jesus dies on the cross, and as we were all in line to venerate the place, the hole that is that is commonly venerated as the place that Jesus that that the cross stood. As we were getting closer, I noticed that there's an altar that's built kind of high, the hole is underneath, and there's an icon right in front. Now. If they have, if they're going to mark with an icon the, this moment where Jesus died, it might be an image of a crucifix. It might be an image of, um, it might be an image of uh, of Jesus's resurrection, like to kind of give hope for the future. There's a lot of different images and a lot of different icons they could use at that space in that moment. Remember when I knelt down though. The icon, I recognized it. It's one of the few that I knew the name, and it's one of the few that I still venerate. And it was an icon of Jesus the Bridegroom. That Jesus the Bridegroom is the title that they, that the church, that the sepulcher, right, that we traditionally want to remember as we come to the place where Jesus died. Why? Today could be a lot of different feelings. Today could be a lot of different things. It could be a uh, Good Friday sometimes is a, um, is a hard day when we pray in through the death and there could be a sense of guilt that might well up. Some of us might, might just recognize that we're not worthy of the love that God has given us in this. Um, 
There could be a space of, man, I, there's so much that Jesus took on, so much suffering that he took on, and, and I suffer with so little. There, there's so, oftentimes, there's so many negative connotations that we could take from, the, from the, the celebration of Good Friday. But Christ the Bridegroom, on the, on the hill of Golgotha, reminds us that this whole thing, that all of the triduum, is about God giving himself to a people that he loves. It's about God giving his son out of love for another. So interesting phrase, bridegroom. Often tell, often when I'm doing marriage prep with, with couples, I'll go through a few things with them and just, um, and some people say, man, marriage is 50-50. No, it's not. It's a total gift from both sides. It's a hundred and a hundred given to the other. In this way, if we can think about it in those terms, our relationship with God is Him giving Himself. Today we celebrate Him giving Himself a hundred percent, totally and completely, without limit. When I was a, uh, people used to think I was crazy as an LSU student because for a big football game, uh, I was out at the student section line. Um, six, seven, ten hours before the game kicked off. Um, my, my freshman year, we won a national championship, and I remember going through, going to all the games and everything, and I remember being in line sometimes six, seven, eight hours, I think ten was the longest, to make sure that we got our spot and our seats, make sure we had our space. And some people look at me and they're like, you waited that long in a line for a game? You're an idiot. But my, my limit of how much I love LSU football, right, is, uh, is higher than most. Now, you would ask some people, if you, say, if you tell them they're going to wait so long for concert tickets or they're going to wait so long for the new iPhone or whatever, I, I would probably say 20 minutes is way too long. If you've ever been to Disney World, a 45-minute wait is a bit long for any ride, and there's three, four, five-hour waits there. I started thinking about these things, that there's a limit. My limit to how much I love a Disney World ride is an hour. My limit to how much I want the new iPhone is about 15 minutes. And my limit for concert tickets is about 30 seconds. But my limit for LSU football is a lot longer. The limit that we have tells us how much we love. The limit that we'll wait, the limit that we have, oftentimes will tell us how much we love the thing in front of us. When we look at a crucifix, we're reminded. When we look at the cross, we're reminded that there is no limit to how far God loves, to how wide, how deep His love is for each one of us. We're reminded that God gave Himself completely and totally in a self-gift, as the bridegroom to the church. In the same way, if we look, if, if we want to use another image from today's gospel, from today's account, we hear about the soldier driving a lance through his side, driving a spear through his side and piercing his heart, opening up his side and blood and water flowing out. 
and if we want to remember, we have to remember to, to get the significance, let's take a step back and, and think about the, the book of Genesis. That Adam found himself alone. Adam was seeking and wanted a companion. Adam knew he wasn't complete. Well, God gave him a sleep. Opened his side. Took out a rib. And born of that rib was his wife, Eve. Jesus, today, is put to sleep. Not in a, not in a peaceful sleep or a deep sleep but rather one hanging on the wood of the cross, his death. The side is opened, ripped open by the soldier's spear. And blood and water flowing out, instead of a rib coming out, blood and water flow out. And who is born out of his side? It's not, a, not an earthly bride, but a mystical bride. Not an earthly, not an earthly companion, but a church who would be the companion of the Lord, a church of companions walking with our God. You see, today we celebrate this feast. We celebrate this day because we have a God who saw it fitting that there would be no limit to the love that he would show us. And secondly, that we have a God who from the side of his son gave birth to the church that we celebrate with him gave birth to the church that we're all part of, gave birth to the body of Christ here today on earth. We come to celebrate this feast. We come to, to be united to our Lord in some way deeper, um, in some way uh, more intensely than just remembering something that happened so long ago. Because we continue to carry we continue to carry the standard. We continue to carry the flag of that, that same church that was born out of his side, even to today. We continue through this Easter Triduum. As we continue to go through and continue to examine our own hearts, there's one thing that we have to remember. That God saw it fitting to have no limit, to extend his love to us with zero limit, with zero reservation. That God saw it fitting to establish a church from the side of His Son in the sacraments, water representing baptism, the blood representing the Eucharist, the two sacraments that make us both part of the church and continue to keep us rooted in the church. All of the, the one thing, if, if there's one thing for us to remember today, God extends to us a gift. God gives to us freely and totally himself. The question is, are we ready and willing to receive it? Are we disposed to receive the gift that God has for us? Are we willing to be the other 100% responding to, to Jesus? 100%, no reservation, no holding back, total self-gift. In what ways do we hold ourselves back? In what ways do we fail to love God to the same extent? See, without us being open to God's mercy, without a church that's ready and willing to receive Jesus' mercy, Good, Good Friday doesn't make sense. 
without a bride for the bridegroom to lay his, his life down for, Good Friday does not make sense. It's a story that, that, doesn't, that doesn't come to a conclusion. See, today as we come, we're encouraged as a church to have the same limitless kind of love to our Lord. The same limitless kind of openness to our God. The last part of this account that I think brings that to light is our Blessed Mother standing at the foot of the cross. We don't hear about her in this context, in the other Gospels. But Jesus looks at the disciple whom he loved and he says, Behold your mother. Mary teaches us how to be the best follower how to be the best disciple, how to be the best lover of her son. She had a sense of that openness. She knew what it was like to go through the passion. Even though she didn't physically suffer, she would have suffered every lash, every nail, every step in her own heart. Today, may we emulate our Blessed Mother. May we be like her in returning the favor, in responding to God's I love you without reservation, by saying the same word she did. Let it be done unto me according to your will. May our hearts be open as we respond to Christ, the Bridegroom.